Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 104 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions and speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as possible inshallah. Uh, now, uh, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're just thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim and just want to learn more about Islam, uh, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And uh, again, in today's topic, we will continue talking about the jinn. And, uh, you know, before we get into, you know, t- today we're supposed to talk about the strategy of Satan and his followers against mankind. They have a very specific strategy. Uh, and unfortunately, for the most part, it, it works. It's a successful strategy that works with most humans. But may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, not make us from, from you know, that group of people or, you know, from the humans who fall into, you know, the tricks of Satan and his followers and, you know, those who are victims of that strategy. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the knowledge to be able to battle such, you know, a strategy. Uh, but before we get into this, I, I just want to uh, focus on a few things. Um, I remember that we last last episode we talked about you know uh, one of the main tools of shaitan of the devil is distraction and temptation. Actually, there are a few more tools that I didn't mention, but I think it was very you know very appropriate to mention them now. Again, the tools and whatever it all goes into the the, the plan and the strategy of of Satan and his followers against us. So another tool that I didn't mention in a, in a previous episode that I really thought about and and you know um started thinking that yeah this is a very effective tool is uh is despair. Because iblis the word iblis means Satan in Arabic, right? Satan's name in Arabic is iblis. Can iblis amin al-jinn? Allah mentions the name Iblis, which is the name of Satan. Now, Iblis comes from the word Balasa. And Balasa means despaired, the one who despaired. Someone who despaired from the mercy of Allah, Balasa. So his name comes straight from it, right? Uh, so now, for you, and and, 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 and again, it's, 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 it's a collective thing. So despair, grief, uh, sadness, losing hope, all these things are caused by shaitan. You know, uh, shaitan wants you to be as hopeless as possible. Why? Because when you're hopeless, when you lose hope, then you indulge into sins and to you, it's already, you know, I'm already losing everything. I have nothing to lose, right? And that's the attitude that shaitan wants from us. So for example, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, uh, um, What's the word? When you're, for example, committed so many sins, shaitan wants to convince you and wants you to convince yourself that there's no turning back. There's no repentance. You know, uh, you've done too much. You know, you've committed too many horrible things. And uh, that's it. You, you forget about it. Like, you know, just keep doing what you're doing because you're already, you know, you won't be forgiven anyway because you've done too much. That's one of the techniques he uses right to like just make you completely lose hope 
and and for example like uh, even in, in, not even about sins like okay he he makes you f- lose hope regarding sins so you can sin more and you know don't even think about turning back to allah he actually makes you also feel hopeless or make you feel makes you feel sad or despaired again from normal things so you can because of those normal things you can actually start sinning for example let's say that someone who is not married and they're finding some sort of difficulty to find you know the right spouse whether male or female so shaitan comes to you and starts telling you you know what i mean you can't get married you tried so you should do some adultery like you know you can just you've tried your best there's no hope there's no hope you can't get you'll never get married You'll never find the one. You'll never do it the halal way. So just do it the haram way. And again, whether through you know watching or looking at haram stuff, or whether through actually engaging in haram stuff, makes you lose hope. You know. And then once you do it, and here's the interesting part: once you do certain major sins, you immediately after you're done, shaitan leaves you right away, and you feel like, oh, why did I just do that? You know, why did I do that? And and that happens with a lot of people. A lot of people once they sin and, and with certain sins, even 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 the tiniest types of sins, like you could just steal someone's whatever food. Like you, you eat from someone's plate that you you're not supposed to. And once it's done, you're like, I shouldn't have done that. Like I'm already I have my plate full or I'm already full. Like it's very you regret what you do, but it was after it's too late, after you do. Now, of course, you can go back to Allah and repent. But Satan doesn't even want that, right? So we'll make you justify your sin by telling you there's no hope. You can't get married, you know? For someone who has tried some, you know, many jobs, can't get money or can't get enough money to support, you know, his or her family, she, Satan will come to you and then will be like, you need to steal some money or you need to, you know, to, to, to scamp, to con some people. You need to do this. You need to, you know, do something illegal or, or unlawful, something haram. You have no choice. Th- that's the point. They want to make you feel like you have no choice. You're hopeless. There is no good. There is no like halal doesn't work. You should go to the haram stuff. This is very a classic, you know, uh, tool that they use against us. And, and you can measure on this many things, you know, like I said, adultery, money, uh, even, you know, backbiting. Like, you know, you could talk about someone, you're not supposed to talk about them, but then you keep talking about them because guess what? Yeah, those people, like you tried your best to talk to them, but they're not listening. So now go talk to people about them. Again, it's very little things that we convince ourselves that, yeah, this this sin is justifiable. Now, again, we commit the sins. It's on us. But we get that we, we, we get the help from, you know, Satan and his followers. Yeah, 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 you should do that. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's very justifiable. Otherwise, there's no hope. So the whole despair and there's no hope kind of thing is one of their tools that they try to convince us with. So we can, you know, either keep on sinning or, or not repenting or just sinning in the first place. So that's one tool. Another tool that they use, and, and it's very also very effective, is doubt. So one of the things that shaitan does is to cast doubts in our hearts. And believe it or not, it, com- like it happens to 
very, you know, like very high caliber believers and, you know, people who are disbelievers. It, it goes both ways. So it goes from the way that they actually goes from casting doubt that Allah exists. There's no one God. Like how would one God sustain all this? Why do I have to pray five times a day for a, you know, a specific God? And I didn't even see that God. What if that God doesn't exist? Even though there are, you know, plenty of evidence that there is God, that Quran came from God, there is so many you know proofs everywhere but like at the end of the day yeah i didn't see god so i don't know i have to see god first you know to to be able to believe so they always cast doubt in our hearts you know and and even for the believers you know sometimes we pray and then in the middle of the prayer we'll be like did we pray one rakah or two rakahs i don't remember the tiniest things you know, uh, uh, did I make wudu? Did I lose my wudu or not? Like, subhanAllah. And that's why, you know, the, 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 the majority of the scholars, they say when you're, when you're, for example, when it comes to wudu, if you, if you know for a fact, if you remember that you made wudu, but you don't remember if you lost it or not, then assume that you made wudu, that you are upon wudu, that you didn't break your wudu. You know, if you're, if you're more certain that you didn't break wudu, if you don't remember, if you don't remember that you broke your wudu for any reason, then assume that you have wudu you know like to battle the the doubts of shaitan you know and 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 it's it's very interesting very interesting even for the believers sometimes you know once in a while you'll get like so this hadith um i don't know man it just doesn't make sense you know they always they'll never stop you know they'll always make you doubt what you believe in and if if they don't if they can't succeed in making like for example and this is my advice to to all of you guys for for those of you who are you know consider themselves believers when it comes when you when you verify the source of of the information whether it's hadith or whether whether it's an interpretation of like you know a verse in the quran believe in it take it as is believe in it do not start to ask the logical questions because we know there are so many aspects you know in the religion that require us to not think into you know like do not consider logic the religion is 100% logical but there are certain things that are above logic not below logic, not illogical, not irrational, but above that. And, you know, this is where our faith, you know, is, is being tested. And that's how it's being tested. So, in, in my opinion, my advice to you is that when you, once you verify the source, it's authentic source, whether it's hadith or Quran, then you say, okay, if I cannot understand it, that, that's what you tell yourself. If, 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 if it doesn't make sense to me, then I have a problem. Remember Umar ibn Khattab, uh, may Allah be pleased with him. He said what? Question yourself before questioning the religion, before questioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. Do not ever question them, you know, on the expenses of that. Oh, I don't get it. No, question yourself or your understanding of things or your interpretation or your level of, you know, standard of logical and illogical. Question yourself. So whenever you get an information, do not doubt, oh, why would this happen? Once you verify it, be like, okay, if it makes sense to me, wonderful great if it doesn't then i don't get it now i might get it later or i might never get it but what matters is this is coming from allah and his messenger and that means i will believe in it no matter what you understand the religion wouldn't ask you to do something that's you know evil or harmful or bad so rest assured it's the perfect religion we said we said that multiple times and i'm gonna keep saying that but if something that doesn't make sense to you I'm not saying take it and, 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 and don't question. If you cannot find the answer, 
don't you know dig yourself into a hole or you know don't basically just don't go down a rabbit hole that's what i'm trying to say don't try to be like i have to make sense of this because guess what big part of the religion is based on faith believing in allah's word and in the teachings of the prophet if it makes sense wonderful if it doesn't because guess what if it doesn't and you keep asking yourself these questions guess what guess what you're making shaitan win because he's he's winning he's winning because one of his tools like i said is to cast doubt in your heart you know it just doesn't make like a lot of people right they uh talk like i'll I'll give you an example be like i don't know man like uh, fighting uh all the all the uh, the companions fighting going to war uh you know because people disbelieved doesn't seem fair to me right like it's, it's evil like some people actually might say yeah, this is and a lot of anti-muslims would say that but the thing is people number one it's actually and we talked about this like we had a whole season talking about the battles what drove muslims into war in the first place but at the end of the day what we know the story the context and they were being persecuted they were being you know harmed they they actually the the, the, the people of Quraysh wanted to kill the muslims in the first place so that's part of it that people anti-muslims would never you know islamophobes would never mention but here's the other part in certain situations allah commanded them to go to war even though they were persecuted even though they were harassed they were you know chased out of their homes you know kicked out of their land they didn't want to go to war remember we said this allah told them what allah said I wrote war upon you even though you don't want to go to war. So Allah is telling the Muslims, I know you don't want to go to war. Even though you you were, you have the right to go to war. But I know you want to live peacefully. But no, you have to fight for the religion. You have to fight the disbelievers who are trying to diminish you know, the, the book of Allah, the teachings of Allah, the guidance of Allah. Because Allah promised His guidance will reach everywhere. And if that will be on the... Because Allah created all of us. So it's Allah's right to say... Yeah, go to war with the people who are spreading corruption because this belief at the end of the day spreads corruption. So yeah, Allah commanded us. It made sense, but also Allah commanded us and that's above all what we have to take in consideration. When Allah say you have to do praying five times a day, some people might say, why isn't it six? Why isn't it four? Well, guess what? You'll always ask, why isn't it seven? Why isn't it three? You'll never stop asking Allah started with 50 remember also we talked about this the prayers the five daily prayers were supposed to be 50 and then we and we we, we told the whole story when the prophet went back and forth with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then it went down to five why five who cares it was allah's decree we have to follow pray five times a day because again if you say why five then you're going to say why three why not three why not four you know why if allah made it six you're going to say why six we'll always ask and we'll always want specifics and allah is not playing our game here allah won't stoop to our level to cater to every single one why exactly five because no matter what the number would that allah will decree we're always going to ask questions why do we have to make wudu in that very specific way again you will never run out of questions and that's when shaitan comes in once you have these questions lingering in your head then shaitan comes and expands you know make you like now ask double you know the double number of questions so why this 
Why that? Hmm, that doesn't make sense. But what if, it, and that's the game that they play. That's their tool right there. That's how they use it. So they cast doubt, you know, in, in the hearts of disbelievers to make him never believe. Those who say, we have to see Allah. We have to see Allah. MashaAllah, very arrogant, right? Those, they cast the heart of those who are average Muslims. They start questioning the religion. Oh, why this, you know, some sisters be like, why the women have to wear hijab? Why can't men also cover their, you know, uh, their, their, their hair? Why does it this? And you would tell them a woman is being looked at differently from a man, but then still they wouldn't get it. And I'm not saying all the sisters, I'm saying some of the sisters, and wallahi, I've personally talked to some of them, who are like, why do we have to wear the hijab? Why only women? Is Islam like, has? does it have a problem with women? You're basically, when you say something like this, you're basically claiming that Allah has a problem with his own creation. Like Allah created women, and he has an issue against his own creation. Flash news If Allah wanted to obliterate all women Allah will obliterate all women If Allah wanted to obliterate all men Allah will obliterate all men We won't exist If Allah doesn't want any type of creature to exist Allah does not create a religion To oppress a specific gender Or to oppress a specific you know, culture That doesn't Allah doesn't work Allah is above all that We mentioned this a billion times and again, I'm addressing those who think that Allah has a problem with them. Even though they, they don't say it explicitly, they say, well, the religion has a problem. No, the religion, because the religion came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know that all the texts in the Quran came straight from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you say the religion has a problem, you mean that Allah has a problem. And Allah, again, when if Allah has a problem with one species or any entity in the world, you know, we've, we, we, we heard stories about Ad and Thamud, all these civilizations that were destroyed completely. So if Allah wants to destroy any species, any gender, any color, any culture, anything, they, they won't exist. So Allah is not targeting women. Like, you know, astaghfirullah, many, you know, some sisters or even non-Muslims say, you know, about Islam. So my, my, my point is, do not fall into the tricks of shaitan because that doubt that like oh why did this happen why do women have to do this now on the other hand you know why do men are allowed to marry more than you know uh, one wife even though we addressed that and we talked about that but still people will always wonder and people always and that could and if you let it go if you entertain that kind of doubt that might lead you to disbelief because think about it those who left islam those who left Islam. And alhamdulillah, there are very few, but they exist, right? We cannot deny the fact that they exist. How did it start? It started by questioning something, having doubt about something, and then they kept entertaining and entertaining, and then they lost it, right? They lost their way. They just, you know, couldn't keep up with all the questions, so they got frustrated and they left Islam. And some they left it because they disagree. Again, it's doubt. They disagree with the teachings of Islam, with the amount of worshiping or whatever. Like, oh, Islam doesn't do this right, or Islam is backwards. Whatever the reasons are, it came from doubt. It started from doubt. And that's what happens. So, again, that's another tool and a very effective tool, unfortunately, on a lot of people by Shaitan. Doubt. And we said despair. And there are plenty more. You know, like there are plenty more. Like I said, we mentioned distraction last time. And we mentioned, of course, the biggest of all, the temptation. You know, your weaknesses. Shaitan starts to play on those weaknesses. Now, let's talk about the, the Shaitan's strategy, Satan's strategy with mankind. And yes, like I said, he the guy is, you know, he's at war. 
And war requires planning and strategizing on all these things. And that's how they, you know, deal with us. They don't just, you know, do things randomly. No, they sit down, they plan, and they act upon that plan and they execute their plan. And it works, again, unfortunately, with a lot of people. So let's talk about, you know, the strategy one by one. Let's take, you know, one point, you know, the first strategy and, and so forth. So number one, shaitan blocks the way when people want to do, you know, good deeds. Blocks that way. And that goes all the way back to when people want to be, even become Muslims. This is from the Quran, by the way. Shaitan or Satan is telling the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, I'm going to sit and block their, basically, their path, their straight path to good deeds. And that includes, and actually starts with, non-Muslims who want to become Muslims. You know, think about it. How many people, wallahi, and, and, and again, we talked about this, uh, you know, a couple of episodes before we started, and actually, I think it was the the, the very episode before we started the Gen Series, episode number ninety nine, when you know, I think uh, uh, our listener by the name of Jessica, I believe, uh, uh, told me, I I I am convinced with Islam, but I just don't feel like you know, I I don't know if I should become a Muslim because of what, because of families and 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 my family or because of my friends and uh, you know, it's a huge huge change in my lifestyle, and that's exactly what Shaitan does. That's exactly what he does. So that's what we're talking about here. That's his number one strategy. Anyone who thinks now he starts by let's go all the way to begin to the beginning. He starts by making you hate Islam if you're not a Muslim, making you think Islam is backwards. Islam is a a savage religion. Islam is a very barbaric religion. Islam is 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 a kind of like a religion that you know promotes violence and 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 promotes extremism and 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 does. A lot of non-Muslims used to believe that about Islam. Some still do, right? Uh, and and that's the plan to make you hate Islam, to make you hate the truth. It's his game, because once you find this, like you don't think that Shaitan is going to come to you and be like, "Yeah, Islam is the true religion." Yeah, no. <laughs> if you're not a Muslim, if you're not born, and by the way, some born, you know, Muslim-born people are they just don't are not convinced. Like I said, very few, but they some of them leave Islam. Because it doesn't just work on non-Muslims, you also work on Muslims as well. Those who have weak faith. But then, you know, the, alhamdulillah, the majority of the Muslims, they are convinced with the religion, so he doesn't worry about that part. He has another plan for those people. Going to get to it in a second. But then we're talking about the non-Muslims. Number one, the number one plan. If you guys want to, you know, think about it as a, a, a step-by-step. The number one step, the first step to make you hate Islam. To get you away from Islam. You know, to make you not accept the ideology of Islam. You know, to make you not accept the commands of Allah. That's too much. You know, to make you think, oh, look at the Muslims, you know, some there, there are violent Muslims out there. You know, to make you feel like, oh, Islam is all like that. You know, to make you forget that Muslims are human beings. They could make mistakes. They could be far from Islam, but saying that they are Muslims, you know, working under the banner of Islam, even though they're doing very un-Islamic things. But Shaitan doesn't not want you, you know. Shaitan doesn't want you to uh, think about these things, and you find this rageful people and those people who hate Islam, and they're genuine because again they are listening to the whispers of Shaitan because that's what they want to believe, right? So that's number one. That's the fr- very first step. The second step is okay. 
Let's say that this failed with certain people. Now, that will work with a lot of people. But some people slipped through the cracks. Some people are like, no, Islam actually makes, you know, makes a lot of sense. And by the way, Allah said what? If you seek the truth, because some might ask, why doesn't it work on all the people? Like the, this, the step one, the, shay- the shaitan, you know, kind of ruining the image of Islam and talking bad about Islam, whispering all these ideas to us. Why doesn't it work? Why some people actually are very, very interested in Islam and they start, you know, looking into Islam more? Because Allah said what? Remember, Allah promised us, if you have a pure heart, if you're seeking the truth, Allah will help you fight these thoughts. Fight the whispers of shaitan Because Allah's aiding us You are not alone in this Even though this is our test But Allah's helping us But there has to be You know A condition for that help Because at the end of the day If you don't want to be helped If you don't even want to know the truth Why would Allah help you? So the condition is You need to be sincere That's all It's a one simple condition The simplest condition ever Be sincere If you're really seeking the truth be sincere. Try to actually find the truth. Fight the whispers of shaitan. So you can pass step one of his, you know, grand plan or his, you know, big, you know, strategy. So that's step one. Let's move on to step two now. Those who, like we said, who are didn't care about what shaitan said, they were sincere. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped them out. You know, helped them find guidance, helped them fight the thoughts that Islam is a very bad religion. Now comes to I don't want to convert. I believe Islam makes a lot of sense. I believe Islam probably is the true religion. I never like, you know, like we said, our our listener, uh, Jessica, who said, I believe Islam makes perfect sense. But I just, there are so many obstacles. And that's exactly what Shaitan is doing. Keeps telling you, what about your ancestors? What about your grandparents and parents? They are Catholic or they're, you know, they're, they're Christian or they're, they're Jewish or they're whatever, the, the religion that they're on. Are you going to betray them like that? Do you know how they're going to look at you? And again, look at this. Very smart. He's very smart. Are, they, are you going to stand against your entire family, those who loved you? Remember the, the child of your childhood? Remember how they cared for you? Now you're going to make them sad and upset? Wallahi, that happens. Wallahi, that happens. And, and, and I'm pretty sure many of you. Many of you went through this. A lot of people actually talk to me and tell me my my family and but I'm I'm trying my best and, and that's a thing that Shaitan emphasizes this. You know, blow it out of proportion so you become more concerned with what your family thinks than you know what you truly need to do in life, that than, than the truth, than becoming an actual Muslim. And that's the game that Shaitan plays. Right? Like uh, this happened with the uncle of the Prophet. Remember, he was convinced. That the Prophet is upon the truth. And he was about to say, you know, the testimony. He was about to become a Muslim. While the Prophet was sitting on his bed while he was dying. What happened? One person came, Abu Jahl, and he said, Are you gonna wait a second? Are you about to take the shahada? Are you about to say the testimony of faith? Are you gonna leave the religion of your father and grandfather? Shaitan starts playing now. Now you have a, a, an evil human being who's you know pushing an idea. Now Shaitan makes made you know abu talib the uncle of the Prophet fear the consequences what will people say about me they're gonna say that you know he was prestigious and followed the religion of his parents and grandparents and now i just gave up no i can't that's literally what went through his head we know this you know he chose to listen to and that's shaitan that's his goal do not become a muslim no matter what 
and he'll do it in any way, shape, or form. He, like I said, Shaitan knows us, and he knows what makes us, you know, tick. He knows what makes us doubt certain things or what makes us do certain things or not. He would knows how to tempt us. In that case, yeah, the the, the, the religion of you know your family. You gotta really disobey your family like that. Really, you're gonna stand against them. Your life will be very difficult, and you're gonna make them very disappointed. That happens to every non-Muslim, by the way. Every non-Muslim who wants to become a Muslim, I guarantee you that this moment happens to them. If they have a family who are very religious, or even like you know, average religious, uh, whatever the religion they're on, they'll be concerned. I mean, it varies from one person to another. The, the level of you know uh, uh, concern, but at the end of the day, they will be concerned. Why? Because that's Shaitan's plan. Step number two. Okay. All right. So that is step number two. Let's go to step number three. Let's say some survived from step number two. Now, some people were like, nope, I know what you're doing. Talking, you know, metaphorically to Shaitan. I'm going to do it because I want to listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What matters is, and like I, I told our, you know, uh, our dear listener, uh, Jessica, before, like what matters is you and Allah. Nobody else matters. Nobody else will help you on the day of judgment. So let's say a lot of people thought like that. They were like, no, I don't care. It's between me and Allah. And, you know, I'm going to try to convey the, the truth to my family in, in the most polite and, and peaceful, proper way possible. But that's it. Inshallah, I'm going to become a Muslim. So let's say a group of people passed the second step. Comes what? The third step. I said it's a big strategy. He's not going to let go. This guy is, like I said, he does not lose hope. He's very persistent when it comes to misguiding us. Let's say we we became Muslims. Those who are non-Muslims passed through step one, two, and now we're Muslims. Alhamdulillah. What happens? He comes to us and he says what? Okay, you did a big, you know, you, you made a big shift in your life. You know, you became a Muslim. Okay, this is great. Now, look, Shaitan doesn't also, he knows how to work you, right? So he's going to be like, you made a, it was amazing. Great, mashallah. But really, you're still a brand new Muslim. Do you really have to pray five times a day? You, you're not born as a Muslim. You're just, so how about you pray, try to pray once a day? How about that? Do you really have to, to fast Ramadan? You don't have to. And And you know, it's understandable when people are trying and they're struggling, but then, it's also coming from shaitan when you prolong that, when you become lazy. And that's why I always tell people what, for, for our you know dear uh, new uh, brothers and sisters in Islam, the newcomers, the new weavers, the new converts, whatever I tell them, the, always, the thing that I always say is that try your best, but don't get lazy. Try your best to keep up with the five daily prayers. I know it's still hard. You're still in the beginning of the road, but do not ever not try to do more. Do not ever, don't, because that's shaitan right there. Because shaitan will come to him and be like, yeah, yeah, you know what, keep trying. But you know what, you don't have to do it right away, just just wait, just wait. And we'll keep asking you to wait and wait forever. That's why I always say don't be lazy. Because laziness comes from, this is it right there. That's the step we're in right now. That you are, became alhamdulillah new Muslim, and now he comes and he says, you don't really have to do this. You know, you're a new Muslim. This is amazing. This is great. Guess what? You're you, you guaranteed the eventually going to go to Jannah. So what? It's not a big deal. Allah is forgiven. Allah ghafoor and rahim. He will always forgive you. Don't worry about it. That illusion. Allah is the ultimate forgiven. So don't worry. You don't have to pray five times a day. That's, that's it. You don't have to pay zakah. Come on, man. You, you have enough debt in your life. Do you really have to pay zakah now? It's, it's great that you're a Muslim. 
Do you really have to pay 2.5% of your, you know, uh, savings? Come on. And then when it comes to Hajj, all the mandatory stuff, this the main stuff that Allah told us for the new converts from our sisters. You don't have to wear hijab. Come on, you're not you're a Muslim. You you lived your whole life as a non-hijabi. You didn't wear a hijab, you didn't wear a scarf. Do you really gonna start now? Come on. It's gonna make your life difficult. Those who didn't know that you're Muslim, now they will know. And again, it's it's a game of doubt and confusion and to make you worry. And again, that's the that's Shaitan's strategy right, right now. And I bet you, wallahi, that a lot of you are recognizing what I'm saying right now. A lot of you, yeah, yeah, this happened to me. I'm one of them. I'm telling you, these things, you know, sometimes if I want to do certain things, she's like, really, do you want to do this? You know, it's enough that you're doing this other thing, so come on, just give yourself a break. That's how shaitan works. It's amazing. And, you know, he knows us. You know, and he knows what to say exactly and what not to say. So just, you know, be careful. So that is, uh, you know, step number three. The third step, like, like I said, step number one, make people who are not Muslims hate Islam. Step number two, Make those who are susceptible to the idea of Islam and accepting Islam not convert. Number three, those who converted, now there's it's enough that you converted. Don't do the mandatory stuff or you know, you don't have to follow Allah's commands. You you have time, you're gonna live forever. You know, that's you don't have to pay money, you know, you're already converted. All these things. So that is step number three. Step number four. Let's say that you are able to obey Allah's commands and everything. You know, started, you know, uh, praying five times a day, uh, fasting Ramadan, doing all the mandatory stuff, right? Lowering your gaze, all that, that, the very, you know, mandatory stuff. He comes to you, like, look, step number four, from the area of the Sunnah. He comes to you from the area of the Prophet Sallallahu Do you really have to follow the Sunnah? You're following the Quran. Come on, sunnah is not mandatory, even though sunnah is mandatory, by the way. The sunnah prayers is not mandatory. I mentioned this a billion times. And I hope you guys, you know, for those of you who've been listening, that there's no confusion here. You know, sunnah prayers are not mandatory. The sunnah that Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah wa Rasul. When I say sunnah is mandatory, meaning the stuff that the Prophet commanded us to do. Straight up said, do this and do not do this. The stuff that the Prophet used to do himself, that is a matter of choice. It's optional. Like praying the extra, you know, sunnah prayers, no I feel prayers, that's not mandatory. Like sleeping on your right side, that's not mandatory. Like, you know, doing certain, it's not mandatory to do certain things. I'm saying the sunnah stuff that I'm talking about, because Allah said, Allah said, obey Allah and obey his messenger. That makes it mandatory. What is mandatory? What the Prophet tells us, you have to do. You have to do. When the Prophet says, you have to do this, then we have to do it. And when the Prophet, for example, say, do not do something, then we don't do it. Right? At the end of the day, like for example, one of the things is, do not dye your beard black. This is actually a thing. The Prophet told us to, we can, we, we were actually, it's recommended. Now, this is recommended to dye our beards. When, 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 when we have gray hair or like white hair in our beards, we're supposed to dye it. This is, this is not mandatory to dye. But then the Prophet said, do not, look at this. You're supposed to dye it, but if you dye it, do not dye it black. We're not supposed to dye our beard with a, a black. You can do it with even dark brown but not black, not like solid black, no, right? Like you do not do it with a black color. This is, because if you do, then you're sinful. 
and this not uh, this command is not in the Quran, but it's in the Sunnah. That's what I mean by the Sunnah. I mean the mandatory Sunnah. So the the Shaitan comes here and be like, you don't have to follow the Sunnah. Didn't come from Allah. Didn't come from the Quran. Even though Sunnah came, all of Sunnah, mandatory or not, came from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Just the Prophet did not make up the religion. Did not make up the Sunnah. This is coming from Allah, but like I said, when it comes to hadith, it's the wording is left to the Prophet The actions, how it's done, this is has to come from Allah. Again, Allah never mentioned in the Quran how to pray. Give me one verse in the Quran that tells us how to pray. The steps of praying, all this, the movements we do during prayers, never mentioned in the Quran. It's all from the sunnah. All from the sunnah. The Prophet is the one who told us how to pray. But it came from who? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, shaitan tries to play with this. You don't have to follow the sunnah. It's just sunnah, man. It's not mandatory. But what's worse than not following the sunnah is something that unfortunately has been increasing in today's world. It's been happening, you know, even since back in the day, but it's been increasing, unfortunately, recently. Uh, which is uh, uh, bid'ah, the innovation in the religion, the bid'ah. What is the bid'ah? The bid'ah is when we do something and we basically say that this is something that's related to the religion. This is something in the rituals or in the behavior of Islam. As Muslims, we should behave that way. And it's not. We just came up with it. For example, I'll give you multiple examples, unfortunately. Uh, I'll give you multiple examples. Uh, number one is uh, the, the, the mawlid One of the things that is a pure bid'ah Is celebrating the birth of the Prophet Now why do we call this an innovation? Why do we call this bid'ah? Because there is nobody ever celebrated The Prophet never celebrated his quote-unquote birthday The companions never celebrated his, again, birthday And after he passed away None of the companions celebrated his birthday so why do we do that? Now there's a debate whether we celebrate our own birthdays. This is a whole dis- discussion, but the scholars, many of the scholars are saying if it's not from the religion, it's fine. It's a cultural thing. It's, it's, it's okay. You know, just don't be extravagant. Don't do, you know, a lot of non-halal stuff, mixing and all these things, right? But at the end of the day, my point is celebrating the birth of the Prophet ﷺ because it's now part of the religion and it's because it's something that we do and we call it a religious event. It becomes a bid'ah. It's an innovation. Do you understand this? Uh, uh, the other thing is that, that some masajid or some imams, they do this uh, uh, habit of Making a, a, a dua in congregation, you know, after uh, after the, the 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 prayers, every time they 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 make it almost as it's mandatory, or if it's sunnah, right? That as soon as we say salam alaikum in any prayer, they sit down and they keep making dua. We're not I'm not talking about the dua that's made during Juma. This is actually sunnah before the prayers. The dua that you know the the people during the the khutbah of Juma or the sermon of Juma, uh, the Friday sermon, they say it before the prayers starts, you know? That is sunnah. But I'm talking about after prayers, there's like a congr- like all of the masjid have to sit down and say amin to whatever. That's a if 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 it's done once or twice, this is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with making dua to Allah. But if it becomes a thing, if it becomes a sunnah, if people act that that it's a sunnah, then it's a bid'ah. It's an innovation. And here's the thing about innovation. Shaitan loves it more than he loves major sins. Again, 
This is the Prophet ﷺ. This is a hadith by the Prophet ﷺ. Al-bid'a ahabu ila shaytani min al-kabair. So are you trying to tell me that committing a bid'ah, like you know, innovating in something in the religion, is worse than you know, drinking alcohol? Shaitan loves it more. I'm not saying that, that that it's worse in terms of like punishment. I'm saying Shaitan loves it more. Why? Because when you start a bid'ah, when you start innovating in the religion, you don't know that you're doing something wrong. You think that you're doing the correct thing, that you're the right thing. You know. You are welcoming the idea of innovation, but when you commit a major sin, you feel it. You know it. The majority of people know that this is a major sin. But the majority of people cannot recognize an innovation unless they are knowledgeable. So again, bid'ah, and, and let's go back to our, I don't want to again deviate and go on a tangent. So the shaitan comes to you from the area of the Prophet makes you either not follow the, the sunnah of the Prophet or makes you innovate in a religion. And the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا فَهُوَ رَدْ Whoever makes an innovation in our religion, it won't be accepted. So those who celebrate the, the, the birth of the Prophet ﷺ, even though no one knows when the Prophet ﷺ was born, by the way, no one knows. Like there was, it was not, you know, recorded as a fact. It's just opinions. But anyway, those who say that we do good deeds and we, you know, exchange gifts, None of it will be accepted. This is a hadith by the Prophet. If you came up with if you come up with something in a religion, expecting to be rewarded, you won't be rewarded. And actually, on the day of judgment, hear this. When the the, the and I don't want to get into the detail because I want to leave it to the, the series of the day of judgment, inshallah. But like uh, there there will be a stage, uh, 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 an event on the day of judgment that we all the Muslims or the believers will go to the Prophet and the Prophet will have a pond of water. And once you drink, the Prophet will himself give us a cups of water for each Muslim, for each believer. Then once we drink from that pond, we'll never feel thirsty for eternity. Even after we go to uh, the inshallah paradise, you won't even feel thirsty. But then a group of people will come, you know, some Muslims will come and they will try to drink and the angels will stop them from drinking. Muslims, we're talking about Muslims here. And then the Prophet will say, these are my nation, these are Muslims, Why are, what are you doing talking to the angels? And the angels will say, you have no idea what they've done to the religion when you died. And then the Prophet will say, what did they do? And then the angels will respond, they committed an innovate, they started innovating in the religion. They made ihdath or they made a bid'ah in the religion. So the Prophet will say, go because, the Prophet will be angry at them, you know, because you're not from me and I'm not from you. They won't drink from the pond. And again, this shows you how serious, you know, making up stuff in the religion, you know, inventing in the religion. It's a serious problem. You have, how dare you invent certain things? And by the way, you know that the, 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 the actually, the, 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 it is said, one, one of the major opinions, and I actually believe it because it's historically proven, that the, 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 the Fatimites, which is, it was a, it was a, a dynasty in, in, in Egypt, they actually started this whole celebration of the Mawlid, or the celebration of the birth of the Prophet for economical reasons. Just like Christmas in, in the West. Christmas has nothing to do with the religion. You know, it's a very economical holiday. Same thing, they said the economy was down in, in the Fatimites during, you know, in, in the ruling Egypt. And they said, we need something to, you know, to refresh the economy, you know, to make it, you know, to, to, to boost the economy. So they said, well, it's a Muslim country, 
you know, and the majority, like the overwhelming majority of, of Egyptians are Muslims. So they said, you know what, let's do something related to Islam. Because that's how people will be more convinced and you'll have conviction in whatever the celebration that we'll come up with. And they just decided to come up with, you know, the the, the, the day of the Mawlid, the, the, the birth of the Prophet Let's all celebrate it on an annual basis. And guess what? That works because everybody starts buying gifts and they have they make a celebration out of it and it started boosting their economy. That is a true fact, by the way. That's how it started. Has nothing to do with the religion. So again, that's that's how it works. Again, the celebration of the night of Isra and Ma'raj. You know, the night journey and the ascension. People celebrate this on a day on a yearly basis. No one knows when it happened. <laughs> no one knows when it happened. No one knows the exact date where this happened because there was no calendar when it happened. Calendar, by the way, the Islamic calendar was created during the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab, way after the death of the Prophet when Umar ibn al-Khattab was the leader of the Muslims. How did they know the day? Allahu alam. Again, it was invented for economical reasons or God knows what the reasons were. So again, the night of Qadr, for example, one of the best things... Everybody believes it's the night of the 27th, even though the Prophet said it's going to be an odd night during the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Why people, again, people, because the, the Muslims used to, you know, increase their their their, their uh, worshipping towards the end of Ramadan. So it's just stuck with that everybody, the 27th is the night of Qadr. That is not true. Otherwise, the Prophet would have told us it is the 27th, but that's not true. And there's a lot, again, like I, we can keep talking about innovations and the history of innovations for hours. But my point is, this is all coming from shaitan. If he cannot get you when it comes to mandatory, you know, acts of worship to the commands of Allah, he's going to get you when it comes to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. If he doesn't convince you to not follow it, he will convince you to innovate in it. So just beware. Let's say, now this is step number four. Let's say that you were able to pass step four of his plan comes step number five major sins so he couldn't get you when it comes to the commands of allah he couldn't get you when it comes to the sunnah of the prophet he's got okay all right so now you follow allah's commands you follow the sunnah of the prophet let's play with the sins you're a human being you 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 know you 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 can sin actually you won't be human if you have if you can't sin you won't be human now Fact is, yes, we are humans. Yes, we will make mistakes. Yes, we will sin. But when it comes to major sins, he tries to beautify it. Like I said, beautify the sin to justify it at least. How? Like I said, adultery. You you won't get married anytime soon. You have no choice. Or when it comes to stealing, you know, because you know stealing is a major sin for Muslims uh, at least. You know, you have no choice. Killing. You had to do it, man. You had to do it. This person was going to ruin your life. You had to do it. And 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 again, I'm just trying to you know give you examples. I don't know exactly what happens, but every every situation is different. Every person is different. So Shaitan will try to justify major sins for you. You passed all the previous steps. He's trying to get you now in step number five when it comes to major sins. And here's something that we need to you know um consider a major sin is not a major sin if you repent from it 
a minor sin is not a minor sin when you insist on it. Now, let's let's take this and think about it for a second. When you keep committing major sins, okay, you're sinful and you're committing major sins. By the way, major sins are not automatically uh, forgiven because we know that minor sins are automatically forgiven if we do certain things. Like, for example, if we fast all of Ramadan, if we pray all of all of Tarawiyah, if we pray the night of Qadr, all this, this by the way, th- that, that's focusing on the minor sins that Allah forgives automatically. You don't have to go and say, oh, Allah, forgive me for this. Oh, Allah, for-. Sometimes you forget the minor sins that you've done. You know, slip of a tongue or something you did that you didn't know. How would you know? So that's why Allah, out of Allah's mercy, because we won't remember the minor sins, Allah automatically forgives them if we do certain things. If we, From Jum'ah to Jum'ah, if you pray five daily prayers, Allah forgives you the minor sins throughout the whole day. You know, all these things. But here's the interesting catch. It, a major sin is not a major sin if you repent from it. So one of the main conditions to be forgiven for a major sin is for you to repent. Unlike minor sins, like I said, automatically could be forgiven. A major sin, you have to acknowledge it, regret it, and then repent from it. That's the only way, by the way. Major sin to be forgiven, you have to acknowledge the sin. You have to regret it. Say, oh Allah, forgive me for Even if you did it again. At the moment when you're asking for forgiveness, you have to be convinced there is a major sin. And ask Allah sincerely to forgive you for it. This is the only condition for Allah to, you know, uh, of course, being sincere above all. But this is the condition that Allah Allah won't forgive it to you automatically. Again, Allah could forgive you on the day of judgment. If you don't ask for forgiveness, could. Allah could choose to forgive you or not. But you don't want to leave it up to chance. You want to basically, you know, try as much as you can in this life to be forgiven. So if there are some sins left, then Allah, because if you keep piling up sins, again, Allah's mercy is above all and and it's unlimited. So I cannot, you know, uh, uh, basically limit it to uh, a number of of sins. But you really want to do the work as much as you can, acknowledging Allah's, you know, blessings upon us and acknowledging Allah's mercy mercy and, and, you you know, forgiveness by asking for his forgiveness. You don't want to leave it up to, okay, when Allah, like I said, this is one of shaitan's tools. Allah will forgive you later. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just keep doing the sins. But Allah said, I'll forgive whomever I want. And if I forgive or not, like Allah is literally telling you, don't depend on me forgiving you without your asking for forgiveness. You understand? So even in this statement, Allah is being merciful. He's telling you that you should ask for forgiveness in this life before you die. So now if you, Repent from a major sin. It's not a major sin anymore. Allah, inshallah, will forgive you. But if you keep doing now, this is regarding the major sins. Now, some people might keep making minor sins and be like, it's just minor, man. But automatically forgiven. Like I said, it depends on sincerity when you do certain things. But if you keep insisting on making a minor sin and doing a minor sin, it might end up being a major sin. A minor sin is not a minor sin. If you insist on it, that's what I mean. If you keep making the same sin, same sin, same sin, guess what? It might lead you to commit a major sin. You know? Now, if shaitan couldn't make you commit a major sin, he's going to come to you. That That's like step number six now. He's going to come to you when it comes to the minor sins. He'll tell you it's, come on, it's a small sin, man. It's not a big deal. It's not a major sin. 
Keep doing it. You know, it's not that bad. All these whispers, you know, it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. It's not a major sin. It's something very small. Come on, it's trivial. Allah will forgive you. The Prophet ﷺ said what? Do not belittle minor sins. And then the Prophet ﷺ explains, you belittling a minor sin is like this. A group of people went into a valley and each of them got a small stick of wood. Tiny stick. Oud is a very small, you know, small stick of wood. And then each and every one of them got one, just one stick, and they all, a lot of people, like we said, it's a lot of people who are in a valley, they all got a very huge amount of sticks, they piled it up together, and they let it on fire, and they were able to cook on it. Whatever the meat that they had. It was raw meat, they were able to get small sticks of wood, they piled it up together, and they were able to cook on it. So how is that related? Let me explain to you. The Prophet is telling you what? From nothing, from very tiny sticks, because there was a lot of them, everyone got one, they pulled them up together, they were able to make something significant out of that little stick, which is to create fire and cook a meal. Do you understand that? So the Prophet is saying, do not belittle something small, like a small sin, like a minor sin. Because a minor sin next to another minor sin, to a minor sin, that you're going to pile up huge amount of minor sins. And then it will be a disaster. It will be significant in the sight of Allah. And it will lead you to do a major sin, like just like I told you. But the Prophet is telling us this with a beautiful example. Group of people got together. Each of them got one stick. Now, if, if, if it's one stick that exists, what's going to happen? Nothing. It will lead to nothing. You won't be able to do anything with it. But then when you keep piling up small sticks, guess what? They were able to, you know, uh, start a fire and to cook a meal in it or to, you know, feel warm because the desert was cold. Like they are able to do something significant out of a small stick. Why? Because they gathered all the sticks together. They piled them up. Same thing when it comes to minor sins. When you pile up minor sins in a huge, you know, in a huge amount, that's a problem for you because it will become something significant when it comes to sins. It's definitely in, in a negative way. It could lead you to do major sins. So do not. The Prophet is, and again, this is a command from the Prophet. This is a command. Do not, iyakum, don't you dare, basically, belittle minor sins. But if you, you know, repent from them and Allah automatically forgives you for them, then inshallah there's nothing to worry about. But Shaitan comes to you to make you belittle. That's the opposite now of the Prophet, what he's telling us. Shaitan tries to tell you it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Come on, it's a minor sin. It's small. And that's how he gets us when it comes to minor sins. Now, let's say that we passed step number six. We were able to avoid or repent uh, from minor sins. We were able to not belittle minor sins. Comes step number seven, which is shaitan will try to stop you from obeying Allah's command properly. So this is different from, you know, step number three. This is now step number seven, which is you will obey Allah's commands. You will pray, but not properly. So shaitan will try to distract us and makes us unable to properly obey Allah's commands. And this happens during prayers. This also can happen during paying zakah. Like I said, you're about to pay zakah and then shaitan comes to you and be like, come on, but you need the money. Just wait a little bit more. Just wait one week. One week until you pay you know, your bills and whatever. One week. And now some might say, well, the intention matters. Yeah, but the intention, you don't get the full, like I said, you don't get the full reward 
of paying and when we, when it comes to by the way mandatory stuff like zakah no don't tell me intentions you postponing and allah knows what you know you're you having the money and refusing to pay now don't be like oh i have the intention i was going to pay it anyway it, and it's completely different from when you actually pay it right and at, at the end of the day allah knows what's in the hearts but shaitan keeps telling you because shaitan wants you to die before doing the good deed that's the whole point Shaitan wants you to die before doing that good deed. He's hoping, he's making dua to Allah. I'm going to keep postponing, but may Allah make you, you know, die before. Believe it or not, actually, Shaitan makes dua against us. Isn't that ironic? Now, Allah doesn't accept the dua, but guess what? If you're following Shaitan and it happens that your time comes, then you'll die before committing the good deed or doing the good deed, right? And that's, that's their plan to distract us. Like I said, distraction is one of their tools. To distract us, to put doubt. You really want to pay that zakah now? You know, you, you you have an event coming up. You might need that money. You know, you need to pay certain things. Even though you know zakah comes should, should come from our savings, not from the money that we're spending from. But again, Shaitan will find a way to manipulate it and make it basically, you know, make it look like it's difficult for you to pay zakah at the moment. And we we'll keep trying to postpone, postpone like death. Don't talk about death now. You don't have to talk about it. So you can forget about death. You don't do good deeds and then you die before you even realize it. That's the whole point of shaitan. To make you die upon either disbelief or committing major sins or not doing enough good deeds in your life. Just think about that. That's their main plan. So that is basically the strategy of shaitan. Seven steps. Let's, again, recap the seven steps so we are now aware of what's going on. The first step is to basically, uh, if you're not, if you're not you know, Muslim yet, uh, then shaitan comes to you, tries to ruin the image of Islam. That's step number one. Step number two, if you're convinced and you realize the truth about Islam, then shaitan makes you not convert because of family and, and you know you're going to disappoint your, your friends and family and how are you going to face them and it's just going to be awkward and all these things, right? You're going to abandon the religion of your parents and grandparents and all these things. So that's step number two. Step number uh, number three is, okay, you became a Muslim. It's very difficult now to pray five times a day, you know, like you really, you already became a Muslim. It's a huge deal, which it is a huge deal. But Shaitan uses that and again, Shaitan tells you part of the truth. That's every, every schemer does this gives you a little bit of the truth and builds a big lie around that truth right so shaitan gives you truth. yeah you it's, you it's a huge milestone you become a muslim but you know you don't have to pray five times a day just pray once a day you really don't have to fast all of ramadan maybe you fast one day and shaitan is gonna make you like say okay and inshallah next ramadan you're gonna do better you're going to fast all of Ramadan. But then next Ramadan comes and be like, yeah, you're still not there yet. And that's how procrastinating and, you know, being lazy and all these things, distraction is, is part of his, uh, you know, strategy. So that is step number three. Step number four is the sunnah. He plays on the sunnah. Okay, now you're obeying Allah's commands. What next? Okay, sunnah. You don't have to follow the sunnah. Or you can even come up with this idea. And it's for the greater good. It's for the good of the Muslims. That, because and it, people who created the innovation didn't think it's harmful. At least some of them didn't think it was harmful for the Muslims, right? So he comes to you and tries to make you, you know, do that, fall into that. So that is step number four. Step number five is major sins now. You know, okay, so now you are were able to avoid all these big things. But now... 
we're humans. We are. We can make mistakes. If you commit a major sin, you can ask Allah for forgiveness later. And then you commit the major sin and you don't ask Allah for forgiveness. And then you keep on sinning and sinning and sinning. He distracts you from repenting. He makes you feel good about the major sin. And actually, I want to pause here. One of the things that shaitan uses very well to make us uh, commit major sins is actually, and this is something, one of his tools that I didn't mention in the beginning of the episode, which is, I think, one of the most critical tools that he uses. I know I said that about every tool, but honestly, they're all very important. Beautifying the sin. Again, beautifying the sin. I'll give you an example. Adultery becomes lovemaking. Making love. See, it doesn't, doesn't, when you say adultery, it's, it's a turnoff, right? But when you say the passion, love, non-halal, I'm not talking about making love with your spouse is something that's, you know, uh, very acceptable and very allowed and all of these things. But I'm talking about when you are, quote unquote, making love to someone who's not halal for you, someone who's, you know, not your spouse. Shaitan spread the word of lovemaking, very beautiful, passionate, whatever, Instead of adultery, nobody uses adultery except for religious people or pe- very minor amount of people who uses the word adultery, because adultery is what it is. Instead of saying usury, riba, right? When you are committing, and it's a major sin. Usury is a. Actually, the scholars say that one of the greatest. Of course, the, we're talking about the greatest sins below shirk. Shirk, we associating someone with Allah. One of the greatest, actually, maybe the second worst major sin after shirk is riba. Not killing, not murder, not drinking. It's riba, it's usury. To indulge in usury. And the Prophet said, and, and inshallah, I'm going to have a full episode about usury because I know a lot of people have asked me to do that and I really want to do that because I'm really passionate about this topic because a lot of people, unfortunately, indulge in, especially in the West, indulge in riba when, when it comes to, you know, using conventional mortgage when it comes to purchasing a house or even a car or whatever, right? Uh, and they pay the interest. And again, Shaitan beautifies it. It's interest. Not usury, interest. Shaitan puts, by the way, naming things and beautifying sins. It's actually the act, one of Shaitan's tools. Shaitan is the one who whispers those names. Where do you think those names came from? The idea of interest, the name interest. Usury is a name, is a word that used by Allah, riba. But then shaitan starts to evolve that word to make it less impactful, you know, less uh, severe or less, you know, horrifying or less. You, you, when you say the word interest, it's different from when you say the word usury, right? When you say the word lovemaking, it's different from saying the word adultery. When you say the word, uh, and another thing is gay, you know, homosexual. When you when you say the word gay, literally in, 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 in the language means in English language means happy, someone who's happy. Now, homosexual people, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us this is a major sin, right? To act upon it. You know, homosexuality, we talked about this. It used the word gay, happiness, pride day. Something like very it makes it it makes the sin look and sound beautiful, peaceful. Pride Day, we're proud. You know, even though that Pride Day is related to something that totally against Allah's commands and Allah's against actually nature in general, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us men to marry women and women to marry men. That's it. 
So what people are doing is against Allah's nature. I talked about this. There's a whole, like, actually two episodes. One uh, regarding the homosexuality and one regarding, you know, gender confusion and all these things, the gender identity. But I, again, it, it, it's it's all about, like, oh, the naming. It sounds beautiful. And wallahi, it makes a difference. You know, titles for things have a huge impact on us. And when we indulge in these things, when we read the title, when we name it in a certain way, it makes it less, you know, impactful. It makes us less aware of the severity of the sin, right? So again, shaitan uses a very interesting method of selling the major sin or selling the sins for us by beautifying it. You know, beautiful freedom of speech, when you say hate stuff, when you say hate speech, or you hate against a specific race, or you hate against a specific religion, freedom of speech, shaitan is right, that's actually shaitan, right, that's the devil, that's Satan, you know, the freedom of choice, that's a free country, freedom, freedom of expression, I am free to choose my own gender, as ridiculous as it sounds, some people use that word, aren't you were created in a specific this is a law chose to for you to be that gender. No, 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 no. I have the freedom to choose my own gender. Okay. That does not negate them. You call me they or them. You don't call me he. I'm a man. You don't call me he. You call me they. And if you don't call me they, it's it's it's, it's a hate crime or it's you know it's, it's 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 bad. It's significant. You know, you have to be very respectful. You look like a he to me. You're a man. You look like a man. You talk like a man, you know? What's going on? I choose to not be called he or for a lady. I choose not to be called she. You call me they or them. What are you talking about? But again, shaitan, these ideas for those who are sane and logical are really ridiculous. But who made it possible? Shaitan gave the ideas and people with weak faith agreed. Yeah, sounds great. You know, so that is very critical tool, by the way, beautifying the sin. You know, selling it, promoting it, and to promote something it has to sound good. Now, uh, um, so like I said, so the, the the what was the step? Step number five, which is major sins. Now, go if you pass that step successfully, then you go to step number six, which is minor sins, making it sound minor. You know, making it look like it's nothing, not a big deal. So that is step number six. Step number seven is, okay, you're, you now know that minor sins are not a big deal. You always repent from them. You, uh, you, know, you, you avoid the major sins. Or even if you commit major sins, you repent sincerely to Allah. Now I will make you worship Allah, but not properly. That's the last resort. Now he is not going to give up. Even if you avoid all of the bad things, I'm going to still work you when it comes to, you know, worshiping Allah. I'm going to distract you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. When it comes to fasting, I'm going to make you talk bad about people. I'm going to make you curse. I'm going to make all these bad things happen. And again, that's the plan. And he's not going to give up. And we just, now we know the plan. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, we know the plan. What are we going to do? Now you have the knowledge to battle that strategy, to battle that, you know, because we are at war. Like I said, I'm going to keep saying that we are at war with Satan and his followers. And the biggest weapon that we can have in that war is knowledge. There's nothing else. Knowledge and sincerity, but knowledge comes first. You need to know. So now I gave you the plan, like the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet told us about. This is not from me. This is not me speculating. This is the Prophet is telling you. This is from the Quran. You know, 
I'm going to sit in the roads to become even Muslims. I'm going to sit in the road. Yeah, basically, I'm going to block the roads to do good deeds. And if they don't, I'm going to make them go do major sins. And if they don't, I'm going to make them doubt, you know, uh, make them do minor sins. And I'm going to belittle the minor sins. And the Prophet mentions this. Don't belittle minor sins. Don't let shaitan confuse you when it comes to innovation. The, 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 all the, that strategy that I'm telling you is coming from the Quran and the Sunnah. This is not my own opinion. This is coming from the Quran and the Sunnah. So now you have the knowledge. Think and be calm and you know collect yourself and realize when you if you fall into one of these steps, and I'm pretty sure many of us do, and th that's okay. Now we have the knowledge to get out of it, to, to, to pass one, one step and then to pass the other. And then until, you know, again, shaitan will never try to stop to, you know, tempt us and make us, you know, make misguide us basically. He won't stop. But at the end of the day, when we have knowledge, he, he's going to suffer with us. For those who have knowledge, if we use that knowledge, not just have it and, you know, no, not do anything about it. If we use it properly and, you know, make dua that Allah would help us against them, then inshallah we shall win that war. And we only win that war if we die upon, you know, passing all these tests. We have to die. Because remember, what, like I said, Imam Ahmad, one of the greatest scholars of, of Islam, Shaitan came to him moments before his death and he's like, ah, you passed. And Ahmad said, no, I did not. Not yet. Once I die, then I pass. Subhanallah. Now I'm going to conclude with this. I'm going to end uh, today's episode with this. I think today's episode has actually has been one of the, it's actually the longest in the series, I believe, because it's, again, it's very, very interesting. We're talking about a plan here. You know, we're, we're, we're analyzing a strategy and a plan. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us with that. But let me end with this. The humility of shaitan, the humility of the devil, the humility of Satan. The worst day, the worst day, day for shaitan is the day of Arafah, is the day of hajj you know the day before the eid the 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 al-adha the the, uh, the 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 second eid the one that's inshallah coming in in less than two months that day the day of Arafah, it's known to be the day of hajj the day of Arafah, where you know the muslims go to hajj and, and they go on the mountain of Arafah. that's why it's called Arafah, is because of the mountain of Arafah. uh that is actually this is a hadith. Again, this is not an opinion. This is an authentic hadith. The worst day, the most humiliating day for Satan and his followers is the day of Arafah every single year. So that's an annual thing. Why? Actually, Shaitan, the, the, the Satan, places sand on his own head out of humility. Can you believe it? Out of, out of his own humility, Satan places sand. This is, again, in the hadith of the Prophet Why? Because all of his work is undone in that one specific day. Or most of his work, not all of it, most of his work. Why? What are you talking about? Well, the day of Arafah. If you fast the day of Arafah and you go and to do Hajj on the day of Arafah, all of your past sins are wiped clean. All of your past sins are everything he, 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 he did. All the planning. See that big strategy that he used against us throughout the whole year? Undone. And that's Allah's promise, remember? For those who will repent and will come back to me and will do certain things, I shall forgive them. Destroying all, uh, shaitan's work. Destroying shaitan's work. And that's why it's the most humiliating day, the day of Arafah. So, uh, you know, it's something good to keep in mind. 
again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope we, you know, today's uh, episode was beneficial to all of us. Um, thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.